commentary, technology, preparedness, and pop culture. From Nashville, Tennessee, the home of hot chicken. I'm Jess, the straight Christian conservative one. And I'm Chris, a gay Buddhist libertarian. We will explore today's issues with opposing viewpoints. And feature guests with incredible or unique stories. We may see things differently. But in the end, this is... Still Still love you, bro. Well, happy weekend. Happy weekend. Is that what it is? It's yeah. been a long week. It yeah. has been a very, very long week for I think for the both of us. So it really has. Yeah. This is my therapy. I, I think as we get more comfortable with with the microphones and the listeners, um, it will be good therapy. I think so, and it really does. I tried my best to stay out of topics like we talk about on the show through my daily life. When when I was, I keep saying when I was younger. I'm 24 years old. But when I was when I was younger. Um, I talked about it all the time to everybody and I was on Facebook and, and making all kinds of posts all the time. I really feel like it, it's a burden that I don't enjoy, but when I get here to talk about it with someone who we can actually have a decent conversation and I'm not just replying to Facebook posts, you know, it's, it's much more therapeutic. Like sure. And I find myself now when somebody brings us something controversial, I'll either say, wait, 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 I need to hold that for the show or I'll take notes because I want to talk about it later. Yeah. There's been times when we've been, you know, in the office and literally we would bring up something and like, oh, hold on, we can't talk about this now. We got to we got to save that for later. Yeah. So we're just going to jump right in. Um, you know, you and I have different political backgrounds and uh, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, comments and, and Trump and, um, you know, where is the limit that you draw the line on comments? And this was an interesting article that I found. Um, this was back when when Trump was president. He signed an executive order which was based around anti-Semitism on college campuses. Uh, and he invited a speaker who actually had used the words, Jews are going to hell. Um, he was at the White House Hanukkah reception when they signed this, and there were several prominent Jewish Americans that were in attendance. But who he called to speak was an evangelical Christian leader named Robert Jeffress. And I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Um, Trump said he's a tremendous faith leader. And uh, Jeffress, in turn, also called Trump the most pro-faith president in history. But when you look at Jeffress, uh, he has a long history of hateful comments towards other faiths. So in 2010, he called both Islam and Mormonism a, quote, heresy from the pit of hell, and then issued a warning to Jews saying, in Judaism, you can't be saved being a Jew. Um, Interesting. In a 2009 sermon, he said, and this is a long quote, but... Not only do religions like Mormonism, Islam, Judaism, Hinduism, not only do they lead people away from the true God, they lead people to an eternity of separation from God in hell. You know, Jesus was very clear. Hell is not only going to be populated by murderers and drug dealers and child abusers. Hell is going to be filled with good religious people who have rejected the truth of Christ. He often, Jeffries often speaks in support of Trump um, and he calls evangelicals who don't support the president spineless morons. So, you know, my question is this, um, and we haven't had a lot of discussions about Trump, but, you know, he's, he's the president of the United States. Where do you draw the line on having, have an event that is um, uh, around anti-Semitism and you invite someone who has such hateful comments? So let me understand this correctly. So he invited the speaker to a event that was based around the signing of a bill that was to prevent anti-Semitism on college campuses? Correct. Okay. I'm about to jump out at you a little bit with this. So uh, the long quote that you read about how, you know, uh, Mormonism, uh, Islam, several different religions, blah, 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 um, lead, lead someone astray and therefore into hell in the end and being, being separated from their God if you're a if you're a Christian and you're an evangelical Christian, that's not wrong. So it's hard to say that that's anti-Semitism because you're literally just in a religious disagreement. You're saying you're wrong. But why are you the keynote speaker at an address that is written around anti-Semitism? And it's not anti-Semitism. <laughs> that's the that's the thing. Is if I'm a Christian and I'm saying I believe that Jesus Christ is the Savior. Well then, and, and Jews don't. Well, what's going to happen to Jews? I mean, I, I'm not saying that directly. Like, hey, if you're a Jew, you're going to hell. That's not my place. But and, and maybe it, this he thinks it is his place to say that. But, but if I if I hated bunny rabbits and you invited me to speak at the national he doesn't hop-along, hate Jews. 
Just because he believes that their religion is not the correct religion doesn't mean he hates them. That's the thing. Is I think we're equating um, a belief of which religion is the true religion to I hate all the other people who don't believe like me. It doesn't sound like that's what he said. And if he's a true Christian, he doesn't hate people who are outside. The whole point of Christianity is to bring people in to the folds of God with love and 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 you know acceptance. But sometimes you got to be hard like this guy was and say, you know what, hey, this is not the correct way to to think. This is not the right religion to believe. But I don't get to talk about that a lot. Actually, it's kind of difficult. But you have to be yes, and he's entitled to his his opinions. But you don't invite him to speak. At an event with Jewish people, I mean, you well, know, I'm not, I would I'm not excusing decline, that, you know, yeah, you know sure. going to the National Hopalong Convention because I hate bunny rabbits, you know. I mean, <laughs> there you go with the hate again. We can't, we can't keep doing that. This is, I, I think that equating this guy's quote here, where he says that if you're a Jew, and because you have to remember from his perspective, okay, he believes that Jesus Christ is the one true God, is the one true God. God is the one true God. And there are no other ways to salvation other than through Jesus Christ. So what he's saying when he says, if you are any other religion other than his, you are going to hell, in his mind he's correct. And he's not hating anybody. He's just saying what he believes to be the truth, and his efforts are trying to bring more people to the truth. So So is it politically correct, though, to bring somebody that feels that way to talk to people who are the complete opposite and and celebrate around, you know, signing an order— I mean, what is anti-Semitism, right? Oh, yeah. It's, so yeah. you you would want to bring somebody to make a keynote speaker who can understand and who can... Yeah, perhaps the, a, a very affluent Jewish speaker, which there are plenty of. And and sure. I, I will agree with you there that that, that was, was probably not choice, the wisest decision to make a speaker. My, that was the whole point of this. Yeah. It's not about you know whether his religion is right. It was the choice in doing that. Now, I have to ask, though, were these quotes like, dug up out of some random internet, you know, sermon that he did 15 years ago. Is that where this came from? Uh, it was just, it was a sermon in 2009, 2010. 2000, so that answers my question. So this was something that he said a super long time ago, and he's probably not been saying this out loud for, for a while after that. Obviously, they would have said a most recent quote had he said something like that. So, I mean, it could be that his views have changed, you know, whether or not uh, it, maybe he has been fighting anti-Semitism since then. But, you know, back when he was a preacher at so-and-so church down in the boondocks of wherever he came from, he's speaking more bluntly to people. So I couldn't find any references to him um, fighting anti-Semitism. So at the event, Trump said, I'd watch him on different shows and I'd say, I like that guy. Man, he talks really great about me, and I like people that talk well about me. I feel like he invited this dude to speak because he speaks well about him. I think that was a, you know, Trump wanted the recognition from somebody, and this dude, um, you know, played into that. But it was a sure. poor choice of of speakers at this event. Surround yourself with people that support you. I mean, that's, that's kind of, yeah, we all know that Trump is is what Trump is. He's He's a big guy. He's very... He has a lot of self confidence. He's a, he's very big, and he believes in he believes in himself. Big, yeah, several ways, but you know, um, and uh, you know his attitude. You know who he is, and you know exactly what he's gonna do as far as how he's gonna act. So, am I really surprised that he invited someone to speak at X event, regardless of the subject, because that person is a huge supporter of his and that person is a good speaker? No, I'm not surprised. So, what are we what are we saying here? You asked this was about comments. So you were saying, should we allow a president to make comments or choose speakers? I'm kind of confused here. Should should our presidents pay a little bit more attention about the things around them and what they're involved in? You know, should somebody on his staff had had done this research and said, hey, this probably wouldn't be the best. And perhaps they did. And he said he didn't care. You know, who knows? Or but perhaps the, optics- the, the staff member that maybe found this or Trump himself saw it and he, it was brought to his attention. He said, no, I don't really care. I mean, it. In as in my opinion, if it was me faced with that decision, and I like the speaker, and he said something like that, I'm not really concerned about you know the political ramifications. Trump especially would not be because that's what he gets his gas off of. He gets his gas off of controversy. Sure. So yeah, something like that. He probably knew that whoever 
whatever sleuth went digging up all those old sermons and looking through them to see if they could find one questionable thing that this guy said, which obviously they did. They found three, you know, he knew that was going to happen and that was going to be a big deal. So what are we just going to cancel this preacher now? I guess is what I'm asking. That that leads to my actual topic. Oh, okay. Cancel culture. I keep, I keep hearing that. Oh, um, I hope we don't overlap. I think we're going to overlap today. We might, but that's okay. You know, sometimes it happens because this really bugs me. And I guess you have to look at cancel culture to understand, um, you know, I'm from cancel culture. If a, uh, if a service provider is giving me bad service, I'll cancel. Um, I think it goes a little bit deeper than that. And, you know, looking at the comments that this this religious leader made, um, people could cancel him. People could stop listening to him because of that. A little bit different than canceling your cable provider because they don't do. But, um, you know, what are your thoughts about cancel culture? Well, I think there's a really key distinction that you need to make when you're talking about this. The way you talked about cancel culture to me sounds like you just said, hey, if I don't like the way my cable provider is, is serving me, well, then I'm going to cancel it. You know what? That's fine. That's within your right. If I don't like what this uh, uh, preacher is saying when I go to this church, I'm going to go to a different church. That's also fine. I'm totally for that. The The cancel culture that is the plague on the United States right now is I don't like what this guy's views are. I'm going to tell my friends to tell their friends to tell their friends to tell his company to fire him. I'm going to tell this company to stop selling his product because I don't like it. Now, there's probably hundreds of thousands upon millions of people that like his product, but just because you and you know several hundred thousand of your friends on Twitter don't like his product, you have enough political sway to have his product completely pulled and his and his um, his right to make a living stripped. In my opinion, you know, I I, I honestly the re- one of the biggest reasons I've got on Facebook that I haven't actually talked about is my genuine fear that something I say will get me fired, okay? Sure. Liberals do not have to worry about that crap. No, they do. Oh, I really don't believe it, because I see so much so much craziness uh, from the left on, on Facebook and, and Twitter and all that, and there's no repercussions. The only repercussions I've seen was when uh, we had to do an Antifa protest, when there was um, uh, some college professor that walked around with a bike lock and smashed a guy's head in. And you know what it took to get him fired? It took the internet sleuths, you know, people on different internet sites, I forget what some of them are called, actually hunting down, using his face and trying to find out exactly who it was and reporting it to the police. Only then was this dude fired. And if a conservative attacks somebody physically at a protest, it would be a drop of the hat. You wouldn't have to have any investigation. They would know who this guy was immediately. They would fire him from his job. He, his bank would would close his accounts. You know, we've got we've got things happening right now. For example, there is a, a coffee company that this is actually my subject. There's a coffee company called Coffee, right? Everyone knows that little Trump blunder where he posted like really early. That's in the a morning. coffee company. That's now? a coffee company now. That's so awesome. they make Trump coffee. They make coffee. I don't even I don't know if it's good coffee or not, but they make several different bags of coffee you know, different brands and, and types of coffee and stuff like that. And they, they're just a pro-Trump coffee company. That's, They've got that's like not a, an advertisement, and we don't no, and it's get not an any money from I them. haven't even tried them. They're, I mean, I, there's a lot of coffee companies out there. Other coffee companies are available. Um, so, the, you know what that is? <laughs> that, was, that was actually tie into our British audience, if we have any. Um, but uh, so I was just thinking about what that coffee would taste like. Yeah. But anyway. So that, the, yeah, right. So the coffee, it has like... Uh, Trump um, pictures on it, and they're obviously pro-Trump. They're very they're politically active. Well, Chase Bank has closed their accounts because they have deemed some of their services they provide to be in violation of their terms of service. So Chase, the financial institution, has closed this company. Now, there's no Chase has not commented on why. You know, if, they, if they, they don't have to, it's if, a private company, right? It's a private company. They don't have to, right? But all of the arrows are pointing towards some somebody complained about this company. And complained because they don't agree with them politically. And that resulted in a large financial institution pulling service from an, a small business located in a very small town just because someone didn't like their views. Who doesn't like coffee? What were their views, though? What were they advertising? It's pro-Trump coffee. I mean, if you go on the website, there's like one of their coffee brands is like MAGA Mix or MAGA Blend or something. It's just stuff like that. It's stupid. But there had it's, to be a reason for somebody to complain. That's I what mean, you think. But... but 
we'll tie this more into my story when we get in there. But a lot of this, a lot of this cancel culture stuff, it's, I don't believe that you should have to fear of either losing your job, losing some sort of service. Uh, we haven't got to talk a lot about Parler and, and Gab and all the other services that have been completely wiped from the face of the earth because of their political beliefs. But give me an example of a liberal platform that has to do something like that, that has trouble with that. I really, is there one? I, 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 would, be lo- I would love to hear it because I don't think that it exists, you know? Yeah, I, I mean, I'm 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 not as liberal as as um, my husband would want me to be, but I, I don't really specifically know of any liberal platforms. I don't look at any of the platforms I use. I don't look at Facebook as liberal. That's an interesting distinction because you know I was speaking with another person who is they consider themselves more moderate, right? And we're talking about um, Joe Biden. We're talking about um, Trump. Uh, and you know, we eventually come down to Republicans and and Democrats in Congress. And I said something along the lines of, you know, Mitch McConnell, he's a he's a Republican in name only. He's a rhino. I don't like the guy. He's not consistent. He's a career politician. And she laughed and she was like, "Are you kidding? He's the most Republican of all Republicans. You know, he's just a cl- how do you not like that guy? You know, that's an interesting thing. Is you know, on my end." I have a whole different view of Facebook. I have a whole different view of, of, of Republicans and Mitch McConnell and all these other things. But someone on the other side of the aisle, they may see, you know, I see CNN as completely super biased. I see most media companies as extremely biased. I see Facebook and YouTube as biased based upon how they, uh, you know, enforce their policies. But you don't. And that's that's because, you know, your worldview is that parts of the people that they're enforcing deserve to be enforced. Do I get that wrong? Um, you know, we would have to talk about the specifics, right? But my friends uh, on Facebook, my friends in my social circle, feel the same way I do. So I don't see a lot of of you know opposing viewpoints on my Facebook. So I don't see a lot of um, news posts about Trump being canceled or you know coffee companies being because that's not in my social circles. I was going to say here's a good example I just ran across today. Um, there's a there's several bills in con- in Congress right now. There's a House bill and a Senate bill that um that deals with everything that i've heard about it is called it's it's a voter rights bill okay it's a bill, mm-hmm. it's a bill to remove restrictions on voter rights okay that's what all i've heard in the media about it so you look at um something on cnn it says republicans vote against extensive voter rights bill or or a bill that will expand the rights of american voters across the nation they they are that is considered the the middle ground right now where this is a voter rights bill. But if you look at it from a conservative standpoint, this is not a voter rights bill. You know, as a conservative, I believe that there should be regulations that prevent voter fraud, that be one of them being voter ID. Um, and, I, and I believe that votes should be checked and verified because one person, one vote, that's it. Every person who can vote should be able to vote but that's in once, and that's it. And everybody needs to be verified. Their address needs to be verified. I, I think that would be a lovely thing that if everyone agreed upon it. Uh, but we don't for some reason. I don't know how voter ID has been pushed into the racist category, but it has. And uh, because somehow, I guess, black people can't get ID. I don't understand that either. Um, but uh, what I'm saying is, is that CNN, these, the major media things paint this bill as it's a voter rights, it's a fundamental thing, and then the evil Republicans are trying to stop your rights from being granted to you. Does I that make sense? I think people are tired of having to prove things to other people. You have to prove that you're a citizen. You have to, you know, show me your ID. I think people are just tired of feeling like they have to prove things constantly. Well, have you ever bought alcohol? If I said no, I would be lying. Right. So when you when you walked in there, you had to produce your ID. Sure. Prove you were over twenty one. Sure. You ever bought tobacco products? A long time ago. Yeah. What about vape products? Yes. Okay. From a vape st- uh, shop, right? Yes. With nicotine in them. Never been ID'd. Never been. Okay. Never well, that's mind. they probably should be. But um, or are you being sarcastic? No, I'm being serious. I've no. never been ID'd by <laughs> by a vape, by a vape shop. Vape. Well, let's not tell them where you shop. But my point is, is that you know. Just about every other institution in the United States, you have to have at least one form of ID. If you want to open a bank account, you got to have ID. Sure. If you want to buy alcohol, you got to have an ID. You know, if you want to drive legally, you have to have an ID. Driving is one of the most important, you know, pieces of American society, way more than uh, you know European countries where there's lots of 
you know, public transportation. And so it may not be as essential over there, but over here you have to, you have to be able to drive or you have to have some sort of transportation. So, but why do you have to have an ID to drive, but you don't necessarily have to have an ID to have a handgun? You do. In in these open carry states that don't require. You have to have an ID to purchase a handgun. But you don't have to have one to carry one. Well, yeah, but. Why wouldn't you you want to make sure that somebody has a license to carry a weapon? well, it just depends on the state if there is a license to carry a weapon. What if technically, technically, a state could say you don't have to have a license to drive. Is it a good idea? I don't think so. Well, same thing with a handgun, though. I mean, right. I have my handgun carry permit. I personally think that, yeah, handgun carry permits are a good thing, in my opinion. I don't, I don't necessarily agree with what's going on in Tennessee right now as far as the constitutional carry. May it help people in the end, possibly, but I like the idea of having an armed society that knows how to use their weapon. Um, and I also think that carrying a handgun without a license is used a lot of times to pit people behind bars that don't need to be out. Maybe they have other things pending. They get caught with a handgun without a license and that pushes them through the system. Maybe. But if you you tell me I don't have to have a license to carry a handgun, then I shouldn't have to have a license to drive. Well, you do have to have a license to drive. But I shouldn't. Okay. But my point of all this is we're kind of going in a circle. I shouldn't need a license to vote. If you have, well, here's the thing. You have to have some sort of voter ID in my opinion, because the, the point of all that was the idea that voter ID is a barrier to being able to vote is ridiculous because if that's the case, then every, all these millions upon millions of disparaged people who aren't able to get ID, they must have really freaking terrible lives because they can't do anything <laughs> in the United States without an ID. They can carry a gun in Tennessee. There you go. Someday. Well, at least they have that right yeah. of all things. So. Anyway. What did you bring? You said you're going to lead into Oh, yeah. Culture. I brought a little thing, a little bit, you know. So um, everybody knows Dr. Seuss. It was a staple of my childhood. Mine, too. It might have been a staple of yours. And, and uh, well, it, now Dr. Seuss is going through some troubling times as far as cancel culture right now. So uh, we'll touch on this, I think, a little bit later with Chloe because she's got some really interesting um, pop culture news that I think we can tie into this. But I'll save that for then. Um Dr. Seuss, several of his books um, have been uh, announced by the publishing company. They will no longer be publishing those books. Um, the books are... Wait, let, let's clarify, though, because I've seen a lot of discussion on the uh-huh. internet about this. They were canceled by the Dr. Seuss franchise. Yes. They made their decision. The The publishing company okay. has their right to stop publishing these books. That's okay. fine, 100%. So... That's that's okay. I, I agree with that. I just if want to they, clarify to yeah. understand. So if, if if the publishing company wants to stop publishing the book, they can do it for no reason. I really don't even think they need to specify a reason. Sure. They wanted to, so they did. Um, uh, and I think that I saw it on Murbury Street, which, um, Mulberry Street, sorry. That's the one that I read when I was a kid, and I actually recognized. If I ran, ran the zoo, yeah, I, I read that one too. Uh, McEnglegott's Pool, I never read that one. Oh, Beyond Zebra, never read that one. And Scrambled Egg Supper, uh, or Super, I can't really know. Uh, and uh, The Cat Quizzer, Cat's Quizzer. Those last few I've never really read. They must have not have been very popular. But I have, I've definitely read Mulberry Street and If I Ran the Zoo. Um, so they're being unpublished because um, they, quote-unquote, portray people in ways that are hurtful or wrong. This is from the publishing company. Um so I've been trying my best to find the images that they're talking about that um, that are hurtful or wrong. The best I've been able to do is some of uh, his early comics um, from Dr. Seuss that appear to be making fun of racism as far as how illogical it is. Um, he looked like he was a satirist um, in some cases. So a lot of these are, like, for example, there's a comic here. Um, it's it's uh, a white woman, older white woman, with an America first t-shirt on and she's reading to two, two children. Um, uh, I guess the wool, uh, it says Adolf the wolf or something. I think is what it's called. I think it's making fun of Adolf Hitler and racism and stuff. Um, and, and, uh, she's reading and the wolf chewed up the children and spit out their bones, but those were foreign children and it really didn't matter. So I think that's making fun of what Hitler is doing to the, the Jews. Right. Um, so but this is one of the things that's being called insensitive, racist, et cetera. Then there's there's now one. It's being called that by people. Or it is by being the called public, that by people the, now. The so that's what kicked it off. I think is what usually kicks off most cancel culture things. People on Twitter, 
um, writing the publishing company and tweeting the publishing company about some imagery being racist. It could have been the opposite. Maybe the publishing company saying they're not publishing it kicked off the the hunt for all these disparaging images. Because nobody sits around one day and thinks, you know, I want to go and find an old Dr. Seuss book and see if there's anything hurtful in it. Yeah. So something had to start this. Well, I'm I'm pretty sure it was the publishing company saying that would make more sense. They probably did like a study, like a brand study or something, and sure. decided, okay, maybe we shouldn't publish these books anymore. Whatever, that's their right. But that's not what I'm talking about today. Because um, I I think whatever you know what it's I think it's stupid that they're not publishing these anymore for whatever reason. But I can it's tell not you why because nobody's read them probably yeah, in true. fifty years. <laughs> that is that's true, the but they're really popular right now. Yeah. So immediately after this happens, um, people on eBay start selling those books. Um, people on Amazon start selling those books. You can probably still find some of them on Amazon for extreme prices because sure. you know now they're they're rare books. All of a sudden, they're like, oh, they're not they're going away. Which this is, is marketing. This is brilliant yeah, marketing. They decided is. to cancel some of their their old unheard of books, and now everybody's searching Doctor oh, yeah, Seuss. Exactly. I think it's marketing. Well, you know, here's what happens now. So eBay announced that they will be pulling listings for anyone who is selling these Doctor Seuss books because of their racial racist imagery. <laughs> yeah. Can you believe that? Wow. That is some cancel culture right there. So, so you are being your right is being removed to sell this on this platform because people disagree with the images on it. But I will Google right now. I'm going to go on eBay and I'm going to see if I can find a copy of some other disparaging book, maybe like Mein Kampf or something. I guarantee you'll be able to find it. Well, sure. And I'm trying to think of what kind of imagery in a Dr. Seuss book would cause this cancel. Well, luckily, I don't see any uh, things of Mein Kampf on eBay. Well, but they I'm took sure, that off, too. Yeah, I'm sure Yeah, they probably did just to guard themselves from being <laughs> called out for something like that. But that's not where it stops. It, it actually, in a bunch of big libraries, I think there was a, one in Chicago, uh, have removed the books from being able to be rented because of their quote-unquote racist or insensitive um, imagery. Here's uh, the big problem with this whole thing. Because I didn't know much about this until today, and now I can't go and find these books in order to figure out what the hell is going on. And good luck searching them. I literally mm-hmm. spent like 30 minutes before the podcast trying to find a picture of what he's talking about. So they have wiped them off the face of the earth. I suppose so. It's uh, just history. Go I on. read one um, one article where it was talking about how it was the one about the zoo, and I think the character was like, um, it's a joke where you're like, you know, what would I put in the zoo? And he's like stroking his beard and he's thinking about it. And in the background, there's, there's an Asian uh, man or something like that. And then obviously he doesn't put the Asian man in the zoo. He takes him to the zoo. But the, the, the joke is there. It's, it's comedy, folks. It's comedy. Laugh. If any of our listeners have any of these books, um, please send us copies of them. Take pictures and, and email them to us because I would really like to see this. I really would love it. I, I, if you, and especially if you disagree with me, I want to see what I'm missing in these books that that deserves to have them banned, yes. right? And if you know somebody that works for the Dr. Seuss fran- franchise, we support you. Uh, t- send us a copy of these, and we'll talk about it on the oh, air. That we, would be, oh, how dare they yeah. even ship a book like that? <laughs> but the funny well, the, thing the is, mail is, is... They're canceling mailing vape to people, vape juice. So I Now, mean, that's stupid. Yeah. You, that is ridiculous regulation, in my opinion. Now You can mail chickens, but you can't mail vape juice. Do but you anyway. want to talk about the vape thing right now? Because I really... That's something I could talk about. You know... I, that all started, and this was a thing that, uh, that Donald Trump did that I think is stupid, okay? That all started when we had the whole crisis where we had kids getting popcorn lung because they were smoking their vapes. And and the stupid thing is, is they weren't getting popcorn lungs because they were using, you know, real vape-flavored juice or whatever. They're doing it because they're using marijuana-infused vape that they bought off of the street that has some sort of flavoring or some sort of preservative in it that's I mean, causing them to damage their lungs. This is I mean, made in a back room somewhere yeah. in China, yeah. So, I mean, what what are we going to do? Because things are being sold illegally, we're going to ban a whole product. I understand we got to regulate some of these things. And, you know, I, I get it. Um, but to be complete, to completely ban them and say, no, you can't sell flavored vape juice that's not nicotine, that's that's pretty stupid to me. And now you can't even mail them. The, the United States Postal Service, the UPS, and FedEx are no longer allowed to transport vape juice, and in my understanding, vape products, to a residential address. And that's a Biden thing. That is not a Trump thing. That's something that they just No, did. it's big tobacco. Big tobacco started in the Trump administration, probably before that, um, to, to save their niche in the market when they saw that the, that the vape juice and, and the vapors were 
moving towards that. Uh, this is lobbyists from the tobacco industry. I, doing I agree this. about big tobacco doing that, and but I don't even I don't think it started in the Trump administration. I think it's always been there. No, it you know it, yes, and, it got big in the Trump administration. I, I've been following it for a long time because I vape. Yeah, um, I don't think the Trump administration addressed it. I never saw anything that where they were addressing it or not. But the lobbyists and the push towards making this regulation happened in the Trump administration, and, and it came because parties, of the FDA yeah. requires. And, and think about this to small business. There are a lot of small businesses that safely made vape juice in this country. And to, in order, the, 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 the FDA came out with a rule, and this was under the Trump administration, that said you have to now register this in every combination. So if you made strawberry in five different nicotines, you had to have five different registrations of your product. If you then made a strawberry banana in five different levels – you had to make five additional registrations of your product. What this did was put a lot of small business out of business. Yep. And this is something we can really agree on. I, I cannot stand any sort of lobbyism whatsoever. Yes. I understand sometimes, sometimes in rare cases, it might do some good things. But most of the time it doesn't. Most of the time all it does is protect a market. It poisons capitalism is what it does. That's the, that's the whole intention of it, I believe. Yep. And and I think it's – I I just – it's never going to go away because the politicians make so much money off of it. Unfortunately, and I will tell every single person up there, maybe save one or two, they're in it for the money. They're in it for their own power, and they're not going to get rid of something like lobbyism because that's how they become rich. You have most of these politicians that go up there. When they leave office, their net worth skyrockets through the roof because they're getting payments from these companies that that said, hey, you know, if you can help get this passed or vote for this, uh, you know, We'll maybe give you a sponsorship later, you know, and there's nothing illegal about that. Why is that not illegal? So exactly. there's a lot of money to be made in that swamp. If if a better idea exists, it should be allowed to flourish. If it's dangerous to people, sure, we need to regulate it. Drugs, yeah, we should we should regulate those and make sure that people aren't just selling, you know, snake oil to folks and it's killing them. But if a new product comes out that threatens a well established industry, um, that is that should be allowed to happen. You know, it's just just like what we, me and Chris talked about personally a it's couple of days market. ago. Yeah, it should be free market because, you know, as soon as you start introducing regulations on who can do what and what you have to be in, in order to do something, all you're doing is spurring competition and deflating the drive to engineer new things and to get better. But we're talking about the same people who have to put caution hot on coffee cups. Well, stupid people do exist. I know. I do want to say this is kind of a feel-good story. I, I, I want to say this because on our last few episodes, we've been talking about um, race and whatnot, but, but we've, we've made the comment several times that people should just mind their own business. And I had a um, MYOB uh, moment this week, <laughs> and I'm going to share it. And the names have been changed to protect the innocent. But, um, you know, we're, we're, we just adopted a child. And, mm. and this, is, this, is, this is a true story. Um, we, I grew up in a different era, I guess, where I was paddled, uh, not only by my father, but by the principal of my school. And, yeah, and I remember the three paddlings that molded my adult life. And I remember the three things that and, I did. And you're behind. And I, yes. And I remember, <laughs> I remember those paddlings because I never did what I did to get those again. And they worked. However, during the process of this adoption, uh, fostering for a year and a half and adopting, child services will not allow you to paddle or, you know, touch, hug, or, you know, show any kind of physical emotion to, to a child in foster care, which I get. We were adopting this child. So, you know, I, I we hugged him, right? Even though we, we signed a paper, the same paper, eight times saying we wouldn't spank, why? paddle, so, or hug. Why can't you hug? That's you so strange. You can't have physical contact with a child in, in foster care. But anyway, I didn't care. We were adopting him. We were trying to bring him in our home as our son. We show affection. But anyway, so they gave us this manual, this playbook of, you know, the, the new age ways to uh, discipline your child. And it was, and we, and we had to go to the six months of classes for this. But we decided, uh, we caught him doing some things on his phone that he shouldn't have. Mm -hmm. And um, and he, you know, lied about some things. So um, it was very difficult for me not to paddle him because he's adopted now and I could paddle him. <laughs> but he's 14 years old. So his, you know, his days uh, of learning from a, from a butt whipping are over. But yeah. so we decided that because what he really did was... Um, selfish, that we would devise a consequence that was um, the opposite, that was in service to others. So we decided to let our son pick up trash on the side of the road in our community. 
Um, it's a consequence. So he's not playing his screens. He's, he's you know, out working. Uh, he's beautifying his community. He's doing a service to others. Then I get a post on my Facebook from someone who um, is upset. This is really upsetting. I posted a picture of him picking up trash, and I'm, you know, clearly in my vehicle. My vehicle is in the road, and um, he's you know, clearly I'm, safe. He's not in any danger. He's at like all. six yeah. feet from the road, and um, you know, and somebody said on my Facebook, and that they were this. This is upsetting to them, uh, and they ended up calling some family members and pretty much talking to everybody but us, and. You know, part of me just wanted to say, first, mind your own business. But if you've got that much concern, you know, call me, talk to me about it. Call DCS if you're that concerned, right? right? Quit talking about it on Facebook. You know, quit calling other people and and making us look bad. Because at the end of the day, you're not in our shoes, right? You don't know what we've been through with this child. Um, Mind your own business. Yeah. and Well, there's the thing, Chris, is is that these, these people exist where they get any sort of power trip, you know, this is the same. We were talking to another one of our friends at lunch today, and he was telling us a story about a friend of his um, got reported in Florida because he put up a fence that had been torn down from a hurricane. So somebody noticed, oh, this guy's putting up a fence in his backyard, not visible from the road or nothing. Right. So he's putting up a fence in his backyard. So guess who called the city to say, hey, this dude's putting up a fence in his backyard, and uh, I don't, I don't think he got a permit. Why is it your business? Right. Why do people get these trips on power over these stupid little things, whether it's trying to get you in trouble, get your kid taken away, where it's trying to cancel books or cancel videos or YouTube creators? I, I guess I guess whoever these people are, they really are lacking a lot in their lives because they need something to grasp onto to say, I made a difference. They need that drama. And the funny thing about this story, we have to tell the rest because this really it just kind of it drove me nuts. So the, the 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 officers came and said, "Hey, did you did you get a permit to to build this fence?" Now I'm thinking, if I had a fence and a hurricane blew it over, I should be able to put that fence back up. Yeah, reconstruct Who would have it. thought? So he went to get the permit, and the permit's free. So you have to go and register to get a permit to replace a fence that a hurricane took away, but there's no fee. I mean, what a waste of time. Oh, waste of resources. Someone's getting paid to uh, handle all the fence permits in this town in Florida. I guess. But anyway. I get it. All right. So it's that time for Chloe with Pop Culture. How you been, Chloe? Hello, Chloe. I've been doing good. Spending some time virtually over the pond this week, as many Americans have. So virtually over the pond, time. over our side of the pond yes. or the other side, the other side, of course. Well, technically not. But um, since Megan and Harry now live in California, but uh, yeah, it's been a big controversy. She there. was talking about both and, ponds uh, all the way over, like gotcha. complete circle. Technically, yes. Yes, technically. So uh, the biggest news story, pop culture wise, of course, is the Oprah Winfrey interview that happened uh, on Sunday night of uh, Meghan Markle and Prince Harry, who is also uh, Princess Diana's son, obviously. What a woman. Um, and so that is literally all, almost all the news that I have today are the notes that I took over this interview. So what's the deal with the Oprah interview? I didn't watch it. I narrowly missed so, it. I'll give you the backstory of what kind of transpired with Meghan and Harry and then get into why they made the Oprah special thing. So uh, Meghan Markle, famous actress, she was divorced one time before she met Harry. They met, they fell in love. They're like, we want to get married. Uh, It didn't seem like the royal family was really into her, but I mean, he married her anyway, so it wasn't a big deal. And they were part of the royal family, I think, for about two years. And then uh, she, uh, they both decided after they had their first child that they were going to step down as senior members of the family, of the, of the Royal Institute, as they call it, um, and just be just part-time working. Um, and they decided to move to Canada since that is still a uh, British-governed country uh, because Queen Elizabeth is, covers that country as well. Um, and so that they can help with that. And um, I guess the royal family just didn't really like that at all. And they decided um, that they were going to move there. But there were a lot of things that went wrong with that. 
You said that, that they're working part-time. So what exactly does a royal family member do for work? Like, it seems more like you're born into it. Oh, they dog walk in Hollywood. Oh, right. Yeah, that's true. Right, That's a right. dangerous yeah, job exactly. as a last podcast, isn't Hey, it? yeah. As of Lady Gaga's dog, right. especially. Um, so senior members of the family are asked to go on different trips. They'll go on tours. So they'll go to like Australia for a couple months. They'll go to all these different places to represent the queen when she cannot travel because the queen is quite old. Mm. And obviously, um, as well as a lot of people know that Prince Philip, the queen's husband, is also he's 99 years old and he's been in the hospital for the last week. Um, so that was also another kind of bombshell with this interview that they had of why they were kind of upset about it. Um, but Oprah made this, made this interview happen, I guess, um, because she lives about three doors down from where Megan and Harry live now in California. And it was a tell all, um, Oprah started off by saying, you know, tell people, Hey, I haven't paid you to be here. Um, you know, I haven't paid you to be here. I, uh, you know, you're here to tell anything and I'm going to ask you any question and I'm allowed to ask you any question. And she's, and Megan's like, yep. And so the interview started with just Megan. And, uh, it turns out that I guess a lot of the tabloids and things that came out were not true about her. Um, they called her and Harry leaving the Megxit because it was Megan's exit. Nice. The Megxit. And Megxit. Yes. And she also said that she lost the will to live. That was how bad it was in the in the palace. It's got to be That's rough. How bad being her experience so, was. What do you what do you call it again? Affluent. Yeah. Well, you know, it almost seems like they treated her as if she was an outsider or something. She was know? right. Yeah, but this, surely you should be treated okay by all the other people. I guarantee you, that's what was going on. There's probably a lot of negative. Um, actions towards her just passive aggressiveness in the family i but. guess but no if we go back to social media if i marry a king i don't care what you say about me on social media i'll be doing kingly things uh, unfortunately not a lot of people have that kind of iron will so well um and, uh, the biggest the biggest jaw-dropping moment this is when oprah physically dropped dropped her jaw um was when um so megan's dad is african-american and Megan's mom is Caucasian. And the question was asked, I guess, of how dark her and Harry's child was going to be. Oh, wow. Who asked this? They would not confirm. Huh. Oh, Harry so was also an asked. Question? Harry, came, Harry wow. came onto the program and Oprah asked because Harry had the first conversation with her about it. Not him saying it, but just saying, hey, some people in the family, in the institution, I should call it the institution, because that's what she called it. Uh, she said some people, he goes, some people are asking how dark our son's skin color is going to be. Wow. Um, he did confirm later on that it was not the queen or Prince Philip. It was neither of those. I can, I can almost guarantee you I know who it is, because it's not hard to guess. But, um, yeah, that was the biggest question because, um, you know, they linked that to racism, which I understand. But at the same time, it could also just be a genuine question from an older person who, you know, how older people are. They still ask all those questions and ask well, insensitive things just like sometimes. Just me and Chris talked about earlier with Dr. Seuss, you know, it, uh, the there is two separate generations here. And, and so what... One generation may ask in passing and not necessarily meaning to be, you know, a certain way or offensive. Uh, the younger generation is going to take much more offensively. You know, the comedy is not the same it was, you know, in the last generation. And, and that's what's causing a lot of the um, craziness that we're seeing right now. So I think because I can I can look at both sides and, and if somebody said, how dark will he be? I, I can see a certain um, line in the population of some people that would, um, you know, not find that offensive and a lot of people that would. Yeah. And, and, you know, it almost sounds like, you know, I, I grew up in a, in a fairly Southern family and I know there that some of, I, some of the relatives that I knew were that, you know, they would openly use uh language I wouldn't use as far as, um, you know, the N word and stuff like that. And I, I've never been comfortable with that. Um, but that was just, that's just a part of the language. And that really was just a part of the language just one generation ago, um, before, uh, or maybe a little bit further. And it gets, and it goes back to, you know, um, 
there's also families, maybe that still even exist today, white families and black families alike, that don't want you to marry or be involved with uh, someone outside of, of your race. Sure. And absolutely. so it, there's all kinds of different. Well, we have to remember there's a lot of different viewpoints out there. And it what, what we're experiencing, it feels like, is, is um, one set of viewpoints and one set of thought is being um i don't know what the word is 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 being is being said this is the only way and the correct way to think and every other way is is wrong or if you think a certain way or you have a certain way of processing your view of the world uh then you're undesirable but yeah and i look at it like this when um and and our listeners are going to learn a lot about us over the next several episodes because of some of the topics but um we just, my husband and I just adopted a child and we started with fostering. And, and I had someone ask when we were, you know, I hate to say shopping, but you know, the, the child services has a website where you can go and find kids in foster care and adopt. And someone, and I'm not going to say even how they're related to me if they are or not, but somebody asked me, well, what color are you looking for? And, you know, I, I had to, I had to assess the whole situation, you know, who is this person? What is their background? What was their intent of it? And and my answer was, well, I'm not really shopping for color. You know, that that's not really a, mm-hmm. a filter I'm using. But to me, it doesn't matter. Um, and me and this person had a conversation about, you know, their their thoughts are um, it's a cultural thing where they said if we had an African-American child, they should really be fostered or adopted by African-American parents because they would learn their culture. And you know, that that's not how I looked at it. I looked at it like we have a child who um, needs to be adopted. And I don't think the child would care if they were, you know, in a white family or an African-American family uh, at all. Is but, that not segregation? Is that not saying, you know, if you're black and you're a black child, you should learn the ways of, of being in black culture? Like, what if you get adopted by a white family? Are you some sort of, um, well, I shouldn't use that word, but are you, are you some sort of... Uh, illegitimate um, son or daughter because you're not a part of that specific culture you learned uh, from two white people uh, is that a, I don't understand that at all why is that a thing and it really is a thing you know uh, the, there's the in society today we we idolize uh, having a multiculturalistic environment where all the cultures are separate they don't mix and we even demonize um, culture appropriation is what I've what I hear it called where, you know, let's say a white person had has dreads or, you know, you wear a sombrero to a to a uh, Halloween party. You know, people accuse you of cultural appropriation for that kind of thing. It, that doesn't make any sense. Are we supposed to um, keep all cultures separate and segregated? Why can't we just let everything blend together if there are good ideas in one culture that that work well everywhere? That That's what I try to explain. But, um, you know, it was a, it was a very disheartening conversation. Um you know, it just, it still struck with me, especially when you're talking about kids, man. That that sounds like you're picking out a T-shirt. What color do you want? I mean, <laughs> and that's what I said. I was like, you know, this the child we're going to pick. You yeah, sure they may not learn things about you know their heritage and their culture from me, but there will be people that can teach them that. I would think, given the given the opportunity, if you went to a child in foster care and said, "Would you like to a um, be with a family?" who can teach you culture or be with a family who can love you, who may not know your culture, you know, what would they choose? I, I feel like they would find a being with a family who would love them, who's readily available rather than waiting in the foster care system for the perfect family who can teach their culture would probably be the best option. But the sad thing is, is I guarantee you the same person that asked you that they're probably teaching that to the kids. They're probably saying, well, you know, you, you have to go to a black family. You have to go to a white family because you'll learn your culture. I'm sure they wouldn't say that to a, a white boy, but that's just my that's yeah, just my I would opinion. Hope not. But anyway, we'll 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 talk about cultural things on a different episode. We don't want to take up Chloe's whole slot here. But yeah, that was the biggest jaw dropping part um, of the interview. Like Oprah's jaw literally dropped. But um, another, the biggest concern for them was security, because. So there was no explanation to this, but for some reason, um, Archie, who is their son, um, when he was born, they told them that he wouldn't have no uh, title, so he would not be Prince Archie, he would just be Archie, and he would have, even when they were still um, in the palace and things like that, he would have no security. 
So, like, he would have no security to protect him. And Megan felt that this was very wrong. There was no answer. Yeah, she never that answered puts him back to just being common folk like us. Yeah, but Harry was still the prince of whatever. I don't, I don't remember his title, his official title. But um, when they decided to go to America, well, when they decided to go to Canada, because they went to Canada first, um, they left in, uh, I think it was late February of last year. And they got to Canada and they took all of their security away. Harry's security and Megan's security. And it became very public knowledge of where they were living and where they were. And it made them very nervous. And um, the biggest concern was like, hey, people know that we're here. And um, actor Tyler Perry, of all people, decided to step in and say, hey, if you come move to California, I will... uh, I will provide you with security and a house and whatever you need until we can get this figured out. And this was literally a week before the uh, world shut down for COVID was when all of this was happening. Hmm. So Tyler Perry now has a prince of, you know, Queen Elizabeth living with him and his (laughs) wife and his child. Tyler Perry. That's got to be exciting. Of all people. So, uh, that was a kind of an interesting combination. Um, but that was when Harry's, uh, security was stripped as well, which they didn't, they were never given an explanation on because there are several people who are lower members of the Institute that have security, um, that aren't even barely related to Queen Elizabeth that have security and they do not. Um, so yeah, that was kind of interesting because that was their big emphasis was that they didn't feel like they were safe where they were. They felt like they were going to be... Because, I mean, with social media and things now, we know exactly where they are at every second. I mean, if somebody sees them going down the street, then, you know, they're going to say, hey, that's Prince Harry and Megan. So, you know how, um, the one you guys thing that know how I am the about one... pop culture, though. I, I can say that I wouldn't recognize them if they were walking down the street. No, I, That I is true. Either. I will say that um, they did confess because they do not make any more money from the palace. They don't make any more money being royalty that he is living off of Diana's life savings that she left him. So I love stories of of, you know, big, powerful, famous people becoming commoners and just living their life without all the drama. I love that, actually. Well, and it's it's kind of interesting because um and it kind of depends on how you look at it. I don't know if either of you know a lot about Princess Diana because there was a lot of stuff that happened with Princess Diana. And I will say, I, I don't I don't put a lot of things out on this podcast, but I will say I do believe that the Institute of the Crown uh, killed Princess Diana. Like, there's too many coincidences for her death to have just been, like, an accident. That's just my belief. But just to see... Like, she sacrificed so much for for Will and for Harry to have a normal life, but also sacrificed to be in the palace for them to live that life. That it's like, I don't know whether going off on their own was good or not in her wishes or in her eyes. Harry said at the end of the interview that he felt that she would be disappointed because of how the Institute treated them. But that she would be happy that they are living the life that they want to live. Yeah, yeah, I think it just goes back to, I mean, you know, any sort of royalty always pings my mind when I think about, you know, someone who's like stuck up or they feel, you know, they're great or greater than others. And, and you know, I'm I'm sure that there's plenty of nice people in, in the royalty of, of uh, England, but um, that's always, that's a stereotype for a reason. I mean, you know, that there's some truth to that. And I'm sure that an outsider, you know, being married into the crown is uh you know an outsider being not just not from the crown but not from the country uh was was probably very difficult um to accept and so they probably responded with very um not welcome um assumptions as far as the conspiracy with Diana you know that might be something we can talk about a little bit further we'll crack that yeah, egg we need on to an try upcoming that episode one. but um Anyway. I would love to crack that egg. So, I'd love to cook an omelet with that egg. What, <laughs> Perfect. What else have you got for us today? 
Um, so I did want to make a correction from the last uh, episode that we made that Lady Gaga's bodyguard was not shot four times, but he was actually shot one time. So I did want to make that correction because Were my source was incorrect. Four shots or he was just shot once? I heard he was just shot one time. So well, there, there, wasn't, there wasn't like four shots and three of them missed. That's no, a little bit of detail. It was one shot yeah, into I mean, the shoulder. It's all in the details. <laughs> yeah. My the source of one of our assistants running in saying, "Did you hear about Lady Gaga's dogs?" and saying, "Yeah, the guy got shot four times in the chest." Oh, wow. See, like I was, yeah, I, I was pretty impressed was, like, with the guy. Legit. If he got shot four times in the chest and survived, that's a pretty yeah hardcore dog walker right there. You know. So, um, her dog. There was a woman about two days later that um, came forward and said, "I found your dogs." Um, but Lady Gaga did not give her the reward money at first because she put this lady, gave this lady to the police and said, you need to investigate and make sure she was not involved. Yep. That's what I was thinking. Um, so there hasn't really been any update on that because Megan and Harry literally took up every section of news for pop culture wise this week. Um, but that is, that is the Lady Gaga dog update. Well, I mean, like, why week. wouldn't you turn them over to the police? I mean, obviously, as soon as she put out that these dogs are worth a ton of money, those criminals aren't just going to leave them. I mean, what are they going to do? Just leave them on the street because they're hot dogs? I mean, no, no pun intended. Hot dogs. But, um, but you know what I mean? Like, surely mm. they would some, somehow try to cash out on that because surely the dogs are not worth that much to them. Um, they were worth enough for them to shoot someone, though, so I guess you never know. They had to have targeted these dogs because why else would they kill somebody attempt to kill somebody over some dogs uh, they had to have what known that the they were lady gaga's dogs what if the friend was in on it the friend what do you mean the friend that was walking the dog, the dog. he got shot in the shoulder shot. that's not gonna do anything to you well i don't know they, uh, you don't ever want to hmm. get shot i don't think he's in on it I mean, we could speculate but we i'm really speculate, i'm really but... into conspiracies today i apologize no i i wouldn't even Personally, I, w- I don't even go there in my mind because, you know, I don't think anybody is crazy enough to... Because how would he have known that she could have offered up the reward? You know, th- there's all kinds of things. That is so, true. Uh, that is true. Not worth almost dying over, in my opinion. But I guess there are people who have done crazier things. We'll not debunk that on this show. Yeah. Um, my last piece of pop culture news is my film slash television recommendation for this week. Um, no, I'm not going to talk about WandaVision. It was amazing. It was great. But we talk about that way too much on this show. It was amazing. But what I am going to talk about is um, the Britney Spears documentary that is on Hulu. Britney Spears documentary? Oh, my. And um, it, is, it is about, um, I believe it's called Freeing Britney. And it is about um, how her dad has her in a, I think it's called a contentment ship, which is normally used for older people that can no longer, you know, take care of their financial aspects of their lives or their physical aspects. So that person takes over uh, those aspects of your life. And her, the documentary shows that every bit of money that she has made, I believe in the last 12 years, he has taken and he has Hmm. used and she has not gotten a bit of that money. Um, And that uh, it just kind of showed, I like the beginning of it because my generation, uh, you know, I'm going to be 24 this year. So just giving a reference to our listeners. But, you know, my generation, I always saw Britney Spears as the crazy lady that shaved her head and destroyed, you know, a paparazzi's car with an umbrella. I was going to ask, didn't she go crazy? And maybe that's why she has a contentment ship on her? Well, so she... She one time asked to be institutionalized because she was like, I really need help. And they gave her that. Her dad was not in the picture of her life until then. Literally until until after that. They had no relationship. They had nothing. And then he shows up and he was the one that said, hey, like, I need to take care of my daughter and do this. Interesting. And they went to court earlier this past year for it. And Brittany on the stand uh, said something um, like, this is not directly quoted, but she said, my dad has forced me into this. I have never wanted this, but he has always like found a way to get me to do this. And I don't want, I'm able to take care of myself. Well, and her dad was able to convince the court 
that she was not mentally stable, even though she had taken whatever tests they asked her to take to see if what her mentality was, and that they said that they will come back. But as of right now, he is still the head of all of her finances. Now, both both Chris and I have a little bit of experience in the medical field, um, and so when when we when we talk about like a, you know what I say when I say sixty four oh four, right, Chris? Yeah, yes. Okay. So th- for those of you that don't know that, um, a sixty four oh four form in Tennessee, anyway, is um, is actually a form uh, that declares you mentally unfit to make your medical decisions. And we we use that. You know, I was an EMT, so was Chris. And uh, we would use that if someone is, for example, uh, injured and they're out of their mind to where they can't make a decision, but they're fighting and they don't want to go to the hospital, or someone's under the influence of drugs and or they're actually mentally handicapped and they can't make those decisions on their own. You'd use that form. Uh, to say, hey, we have to take you to the hospital or to an institution um, because you need help and you can't make that decision for yourself. And I kind of have some trust in those processes because I've seen the effects of how they can help people who refuse to help themselves. So until I really see the argument in the court, or perhaps we get some actual video of the court that's not one-sided, or maybe hear from the dad, I'm I want to lean more towards what the court decided because regardless of the relationship with the dad, if they still rule her mentally unfit to make her own financial decisions, then, you know, so says the court. I I think the best way she can prove that she's mentally competent is making a genius move. If her father gets a 100% of her, her earnings, she should stop performing. She should stop earning and she should change her name and, continue then with a new name and earn money on her own. I think, I think if she put her dad out of business, things would change. And that would also prove maybe she's mentally competent. Well, at the same time though, you have to remember that this is someone's lifestyle. This is what they love to do. And that's really probably the only thing she knows how to do well, because that's all she's done all her life. Yeah. But you stop know? performing as Brittany and stop cancel all your shows, change your name to, you know, but I doubt that that would make a difference Fitney as far beers. as, <laughs> and you know, <laughs> start performing it would beers. it would make a difference because know. the biggest thing for her there are thousands of people that were outside the courthouse that day um that were holding up signs saying free britney you know like britney needs to be liberated all this stuff and so all those fans if she changed her name and she did what chris just said i mean they're gonna figure it out but i mean all those fans are just gonna move over there so she will always have a fan yeah, base. Yeah, but I really don't think it's as easy as just changing the name because all those are going to be documented and tracked, and she can't go to her own bank account because, I mean, she'd have to falsify her identity, and that'd be illegal. Um, so she could legally change her name. But then it would reflect hey, she's that a in celebrity. the court and stuff. So. Yeah. She can do whatever she wants. She's a celebrity. Well, obviously not because she can't manage her own money. Something, something that was interesting, though, was that, like I said earlier, you know, I've always seen Britney Spears as the bald you know, crazy lady that's beating up paparazzi cars with umbrellas. Um, but this this documentary really went through the beginning of her life and where she came from. And, I, you know, you get to watch clips from her. They're from, um, I believe they're from Louisiana. And, I mean, she's got this country-thick accent. And she's doing mall shows. Like, they just would go to the mall and, and do shows. And... Like, she would just get up and be like, hey, y'all, so this is my new single. I hope y'all like it. And she was just, she was such a humble and, like, very um, approachable person, even though, you know, she's got all the glitz and glam on and stuff. But, I mean, I just had never seen her like that. And it made me want to listen to her music more and want to, like, actually engage with her because I kind of felt like, hey, yeah, like, she's just like me. You know, she was a girl that had a dream. She went out and she did it. Like... Now, obviously, when she got older and she got bigger and she did more adult content, then obviously, yeah, that kind of changes. But I don't know. That's just how I felt. I never I saw her that way. So it was really interesting. Yeah. Well, I will add it to our watching list. My husband loves Britney Spears and I love Hulu. So we'll do that this weekend. <laughs> you, there you, you go. Perfect. Awesome. That's unhealthy. Hulu. Hulu is unhealthy. Hulu. Saying that word like that. What's it's that? Un- it's wrong. It's no, unhealthy. It's just- that's how I say it. Okay. Very good. Well, we want to wrap this segment up. Thank you, Chloe, for coming in and telling us about pop culture. I learned a little bit today. No problem. 
I don't think I learned much, but still, <laughs> it was good. <laughs> Enjoy talking about it. Oh, God. All righty. Thank you, Chloe. I hope we have another update on Lady Gaga's dogs here soon. I'd love we to hear too. it. I'm sure our listeners will as well. This has been episode three of Still Love You, Bro. Thank you for joining us. Jesse had a good conversation. Yeah, we finally got a little bit heated, I think. And and I, I've had a couple people ask, you know, this this is about confrontation, but yet still being able to say, hey, love you, bro, when we leave. We really haven't had that much conversation in our past few episodes. But we certainly got a little bit into it today. I think that was a good thing. You you were on the edge of your seat. So, I usually am on the edge I mean, of my seat. the table seat. was shaking. So, so I was about to fall out. So That's you know, good. You have, you have emotion shaking. about it. I do. We want to thank you for listening. Tell a friend. Please like our socials and leave comments. Visit our podcast website at stillloveyabro.com. That's stillloveyabro.com. Send an email to info at stillloveyabro.com. With a Y-A, once again. With a Y-A. Support and share and please send us feedback. Yeah, send us feedback. Send us topics you want us to cover and talk about from two different perspectives. We'd love to do that. That'd be really fun. Um, so save us some time from finding all these crazy stories from the bottoms of the internet. So, Everybody, thanks for tuning in, guys. Have a good week.